podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And as David Silva completes his 400th league, not league appearance, his 400th appearance for Manchester City, and Sergio Aguero scores his 400th career goal, I spent a lot of time speaking to about 400 people before I managed to secure these three guests. Hmm. Uh, welcome to The Grunting, John Stapleton. Yes. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, good to have you with us. Well. Uh, welcome back to our YTS trainee. What's your name? David Hodgson. Oh, really? That's really good, good to have you as well. <laughs> and to Spencer Debson. Hello. Uh, listen, uh, David Silver, 400 league appearances. There are 14 players now. Sorry, I keep saying league appearances. 14 appearance, 400 appearances for Manchester City. There are 14 players who have achieved the same feat. The last one, I think, was Paul Power. Uh, and I just gla- sort of wrote a few down. And I realise, John Stapleton, you saw... All of these players bar three. Yeah. My granddad and my dad saw the other three. My dad also saw all of these players at some point. Um, I, you saw one more than me. Yeah. Which we'll come on to. Uh, Spencer Debson, you probably saw, I don't know, half of these, I guess. Uh, we'll come on to that in a second. But Dave Hodgson saw one of them, David Silver. I did. And if I had to pick any of them, I think he's probably a pretty good choice. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of Restrictive view, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot has been said, obviously, within reaching this amazing milestone of 400 games. Uh, people say he's the best player ever to grace the Premier League, the, the best midfielder. Uh, clearly, you've not seen them all, but, but you're, just your thoughts on that. Others have sort of mentioned the Gerrards of this world and, and the Lampards and, and the Vieiras. You know, they're kind of three names that kind of always sort of get, get sort of banded around as well but your thoughts and reflections on a fantastic player well when it comes to the Premier League era I can talk a little bit about the midfielders I'm maybe not as young as you, you may have suggested but the, um, the you think about the players people always talk about as the real top quality midfielders of the Premier League era your Gerrards your Lampards your Scholes and the criticism that people sometimes put towards Silver versus them is you know Lampard scored a hatful of goals like a striker Gerrard and Scholes had these fantastic you know long range goals in the locker which David Silver never really did but what they forget to understand is how much the midfield the world of midfield has changed with those two wizards in Spain Xavi and Iniesta you know they scored about one in t- a goal every 10 games for Barcelona or something but changed the way people thought about midfielders how people used space how you know physicality worked in midfield and it was all about quick thinking positioning you know working in those half spaces creating spaces for others knowing when to release and always making space for other players david silver bought that to the best league in the world people said he wasn't physical enough people said he was too small he'd never make it he's changed the premier league in 10 years and all the guys who know their stuff all the pundits say that that is a special player because they see what he's done to the game they see the way he's changed premier league football and now you look at the players who he's paved the way for, you know, Christian Eriksons, even, you know, likes of Phil Foden, these little players, they're coming here and they're saying, I can be like David Silva, and he's changed the game. Uh, John, before we move on to the other 13, uh, which we'll do very briefly, your own reflections on David Silva? Fantastic player. I, I remember watching him in his early, early days thinking, he's too, as you said, too small, too frail, 
uh, it seemed to get shoved off the ball a lot. He's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. And he matured brilliantly. I, I have a, a dilemma here because uh, I meet Colin Bell quite a lot. And I'm a huge admirer of Colin Bell, who, in my view, is the best player we've ever had, uh, irrespective of the three or 400 appearances. It's, it's a toss-up between Colin Bell and, and David Silva. And at the risk of offending Colin, I have to say, I think David Silver just has the edge. I think, and, I, I, and in saying that, I think I've taken the view of people who know what they're talking about rather than me, but the, fellow, the professionals who are here say, this guy's a genius. And he is a genius. You watch that guy play week in, week out. He creates chances you wouldn't imagine abs- ever possible. He, he, the guy, Merlin, not for nothing do they call him Merlin. He's a magician. He's absolutely fantastic. And I think he's probably the best best player City have ever signed and I go back as you rightly said a long long way back to the days of Bobby Johnson Don Revy and all the sort of people in the 1950s and 60s uh, um, and I have to say David Silver's the boy for me Spencer well I mean I totally agree of course with everything you said I think the other thing about David Silver is the, his consistency uh, you know 400 games I don't know what his how many man of the match awards he got for, for you know within there but I suspect more than half of those games he was, he was either City's best player or their second best player uh, and to combine that with you know his unique talents I mean I, I you know I would agree certainly uh, I my memory just starts just after Colin Bell so is it okay for me to say I, I, I definitely have David Silver as my, uh, you, my, can, my and best. you can you can do, uh, Dave Hodgson you can sit this one out for a second obviously you'll be a bit tired it's probably past your bedtime anyway so just have a little rest for a second while we play our hit and miss game which is slightly different this week um, it's going to be either hit big hit or massive hit and try and give us a spread don't say they're all massive hits because they're all mm. city legends we know that so within this group of 14 would you describe these people as hits Big hits or massive hits, um, and I'm going to go through these names for you. These are the players who have had more than 400 appearances at Manchester City, and I'm going to do it in order of, of, of the most. And obviously, with 682, um, Alan Oakes. I'm going to you first, John, because I suspect you didn't see Alan Oakes. Uh, no, big hit just for his durability. I agree with you, uh, Joe Corrigan, 603. Oh, big hit at minimum. Yeah. They're all going to be big hits. Big hit. Big hit. Well, I, I've well, got the first game I ever saw against at, Newcastle. At six foot four and a half, he would have been a big it hit. Was a big hit, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, tremendous goalkeeper, fantastic servant to the club, lovely, lovely guy. Yeah, um, big hit on every count. Uh, 570, and we know uh, that he bleeds sky blue, or bled sky blue, God rest his soul, Mike Doyle. Uh, I'll go hit. Controversial. An excellent, solid, dependable centre-back graced the teams that I watched during my put, team put him years. Right, put him right Played for England on XD occasions, I know. But for me, he didn't have the... Uh, memorability and flamboyance. He was a solid, dependable, wonderful hit. Put him right, Mr. Stapleton. <laughs> I'll Mike Doyle. Huge hit. <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> Absolutely. That's copping out a bit, isn't it? Huge hit. Arguably, you know, I mean, it should have been international for longer than he actually was. Uh, I mean, City, as you say, true, right down to his toenails. Fantastic, committed, 150% committed to this cause. But yeah, huge hit. Uh, you can start the next one because you're the only one who saw this player, Bert Troutman. 
Well, massive hit. What was your qualification? What was it a category? Yeah, it'll, it'll do. Massive hits, the top, Ma- top Massive one. hit. I mean, Bert Schramman. Well, forget... Well, don't forget. How can you forget the story? Prisoner of War, St. Helens Town, recruited by City. I mean, it's great controversy. Uh, 20,000 people protested about the city signing him at the, at the time. The chief rabbi of Manchester said, come on, guys, he didn't start the war. It wasn't his fault. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, imagine, as a, as a German, playing for Manchester City in 1946-1947, the pressure that guy was under, the performances he, he displayed... Absolutely stunning. And then, of course, breaking his neck in the cup final and all the tragedy he suffered after, personal tragedy. But above all else, a great player, a fantastic goalkeeper, unbelievable he only ever played for Germany, I think, once or twice. That was a bias and prejudice on their part. Oh, yeah, big, huge hit. Uh, I'm going to do the next one because you've already mentioned him. Uh, a fellow called Colin Bell. Mm. Uh, we named a stand after him. You may, you may have spotted um, <laughs> 501 appearances. For me, still... For me, still, Colin Bell is the number one. Yeah, I absolutely loved him. Known as Nijinsky, could run all day long, had everything in his game. Everything. Vision, grace, scored goals, understated, wasn't flamboyant, clearly loved City, and I love Colin Bell. Long may he reign, King Colin. Indeed, and got a lovely son called John, who's a cancer surgeon at Chris's Hospital in Manchester. Eric Brook, none of us saw. My dad, your dad. Yeah, talked about him. Talked about him a lot. Tommy Booth is next at 491. Hmm. Hmm. Who's uh, going to start? Um, big lad, wasn't he? Big Tommy Booth. I'll go big hit because he's big. He's okay. here, there's the, he's there, he's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I won't do the rest. <laughs> Very good. Um, big, big hit for you, John? Yeah, oh, big hit, huge hit. Yeah. Uh, mate of yours, 452, Mr. Michael Summerby. Fantastic player uh, and a great entertainer. I mean, uh, what, what a star Summerby has been for City uh, at, at every level, uh, as a player and now as an ambassador for the club, you know, and City through and through. Uh, his you know, great pedigree, his dad played for Preston North End, was shoved off to Barrow. Uh, Mike, born and bred in, in Wiltshire, came to City, and his son Nicky played for City. Great City pedigree, huge hit. I'm sorry, I keep no, saying no, no, it, but they're, no, they're, they're, they're all great they players, aren't they? Um, th- so the last one to get into this group, uh, Paul Power with 444, went off to Everton. Uh, John, do you want to start on Paul Power? Yeah, lovely, lovely guy, very bright guy, and not that the others aren't, but he, this was exceptionally bright, trained as a lawyer, qualified as a lawyer, I think, at university. Got a law degree, certainly. Uh, served City very, very well in a, a difficult period for the yeah. club. Yeah, not an easy period at all. One of those utility players, you know, that you, yeah. you know that you, yeah. sort of like our, not, not James Milner was, but you know, he could go. He was totally dependable, wasn't he? Yeah. And whenever you never gave less than a seven out of ten. I was rather sad when he when, when he left and went to Everton, but he, he had a great career. Mm. I think he played for Everton more than he played for City. To be, the truth be told, uh, and came back to City to, uh, working mm. with the with the kids. Yeah, good guy, a hit. Someone who could never take a throw in, Willie Donerkey. Always thought that he used to hold the ball on the side. and used to put the, his hands behind the ball. He used to throw the ball in. He used to, I'm doing this with my hands and you can't see it, obviously, on the yeah. podcast. But anyway, a fine Scottish international uh, and played 436 games for City. I'm amazed by it. Did he really? Yeah, you, you wouldn't have believed that, would you, no, actually? Okay. I always remember him playing with Asa Hartford, uh, you know, in, in, that, in that era. Um, he, was, he was always on the... He was always the first team, wasn't he? He was always on the team and sheet. And Joe Rawls, uh, deputy, yeah. of course. Yeah. And uh, served the club very well again. A good player, great player and uh, we're delighted to have him. Um, 
the scorer of the winning goal of the 1969 FA Cup final against Leicester City with 416 appearances, God rest his soul, Neil Young. Nelly, we used to call him. Nelly Young, yeah. The unsung hero of that wonderful, wonderful team in, comprising some of Bell uh, and Francis Lee. Uh, I, don't, I never quite understood why Neil Young wasn't included in that group, but he, he, they, most of the media, which, for which I'm partly responsible, uh, referred only to the three, uh, which is a bit unfair because Neil Young was a tremendous player. I'll never forget that classic game against Spurs, you know, the ballet on ice. Mm, absolutely. Astounding performance, absolutely outstanding performance. And he did it time and time again and never actually got the credit. Had the pleasure of meeting him uh, m- many, many years later when he'd had a rough, rough time. And I think he'd finish up working as a milkman in Preston or something, you know. I mean, a rough, rough time. Uh, but what a generous, lovely man. Well, listen, the others, um, apart from David Silver, are Ernie Toastland and Sam Cowan with 411 and 407, respectively, which we can't do. But I'm, I'm, uh, thank you for that. That's a nice reflection on, mm. and some names, as you say, that you probably wouldn't expect to see in that, mm. and others you thought maybe did do 400. Um, David is, has not fallen asleep, I'm pleased to see. <laughs> He's still with us. And, and something I think we have to, not city-related, but something I think we have to touch on, a really, really sad day for anybody who loves their football, is the news of the demise of the great Berry Football Club. And I think we just have a responsibility, don't we? Our, our local neighbours uh, in the northwest, and it's just tragic to see such an old uh, team, not a fantastic support base, of course, but to see any football team go out of business is, is sad for the fans, for the employees. Uh, and just wanted just a quick reflection before we go and, and do some more city stuff. Uh, Dave, your, your thoughts and reflections on it and, and maybe lessons learnt and how we can try and avoid this in the future? Well, of course, look, it's, uh, it's, it's tragic. And, you know, for a community like that, you know, where you've got, you know, the, the club's got so much significance for so many communities, you know, the, the, the football club represents something more than just a, t- a team and certainly just more than a business. And, you know, it's something we're starting to see a little bit, obviously, with Bolton as well, that, you know, these clubs are being run sometimes in a way that is not fit and proper, to quote the test that the FA are supposed to apply. Um, you kind of have to wonder at this point um, why we don't do more to protect these clubs from being run as bad businesses rather than as sort of community initiatives. Mm. You know, I, I don't buy into the idea that Manchester City and Manchester United are somehow beholden to bail these clubs out. I think that invites all sorts of questions about competitiveness. Imagine if they played in the Cups later that season and, you know, one of them has become the other's paymaster, as it were. It creates all sorts of problems. But maybe there's something that needs to be done at a league level. Maybe a percentage of the money that comes in from television rights goes to a slush fund to back up Mm. some of these clubs and take them off the hands of, of owners who are running them into the ground. Or, you know, maybe there's some kind of way that the leagues can protect these clubs against um, sort of improper management, as it were. But isn't that the issue, Spencer? Isn't, isn't it about uh, those running the league making sure that people are fit and proper? Um, I've, heard, I've heard Steve Dale being interviewed on, I think, Radio 5, and it's absolutely horrific what he yeah, was saying. Yeah, it I really mean, is. I, 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 thought it, it was, actually, I thought it was a joke. It's actually really upsetting to hear that, that interview. Um, I mean, there's clearly been a sort of gross incompetence at a, a core management level with these clubs. Uh, and I totally agree, Dave. You, you can't have these run by profit and loss alone. Uh, the heritage, the sort of social cohesion around it, the community... 
there, I'm sure there'll be changes after this, at least there should be, because a team like Berry, uh, Bolton, I know there's also in the background, isn't it? You know, these are, these are big clubs and, and the, a big catchment and a big legacy, and it, this should just simply not have been allowed to have happened. Uh, just simply just before we came on air, I, mean, I think we heard, John, that I think potentially there might be a deal that's been struck to help Bolton, yeah. which is why I'm focusing on Berry only. But, but again, you must have been to Gig Lane and know people involved in the club. Your, your thoughts, reflections on what, what's happened there? Well, I think it's very, very sad indeed. And for Barry, read Oldham, read Morecambe, read, um, well, Bolton, hopefully have now been saved. With, well, I think they have at least got a temporary reprieve. And many, many others. And I agree with everything that's been said. I don't think it's incumbent on, on, on teams like City and United. Well, they, they can't buy these clubs anyway. I mean, it's, 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 it's outlawed. They can't do it. It would be lovely if they could buy these clubs, use them as feeder clubs, etc., etc. There's a competition element to take in, 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 into account. But they, they can't do that anyway. One thought I had, uh, I have had for some time actually, and it's a bit of a controversial thought. If every player in the Premier League donated 5% of their wages to the clubs in the in Division uh, league, league 1 and League 2. A lot of these clubs wouldn't be so badly off. Having said all that, I totally take on board the point made that actually, that even if we did that, it's still got to be properly managed. And a lot of these clubs have yeah. not been properly managed. They've been, ma- they've been taken over by people who shouldn't be in the business anyway, have wasted money, spent fortunes on players to get, get themselves promoted broken all the rules and regulations, and I'm sorry, in that sense, it's, it's their own fault. The only bit of that, of what you say, I agree with pretty much all of it. The only bit I'd sort of take minor exception to is almost the real tragedy with some, particularly Berry, is it's not a big club. It's a small club that matters yeah. to a small community in one part of the country. You know, when people talk about Bolton Wanderers and went out with Portsmouth a few years ago, you know, these were national name clubs that everyone's seen playing big matches and got big memories of. Berry's a club that matters a huge amount to one community. And it's our duty as football fans to make sure that yeah. that resonates I, I beyond agree. that. I agree. If they've been paying silly money to players to get themselves promoted, which is what I've read, and, I, and I, I, that's all I can say about that, I don't know if it's true, but it's what I've read, then to some extent it is their, it's, it's, the, it's the fault of the management. You know? Agreed. And, and it's very sad. It's tragic for the fans, awful for the fans, and indeed the players, many of whom will you know, be pushed to earn a living now. But essentially it was a management problem. Absolutely. But mm. that club... Still, you know, the management problem is something that has to be dealt with. But letting that club die as a result of one person making those mistakes, you know, by all means, some way to get him out, you know, maybe the mm. club will have some difficult years for a bit, but make sure that that club stays alive for that community. Is, yeah, is I suppose the other thing concern. is that the, the red flags were probably up two years ago. I don't know. If there'd been some sort of uh, light touch regulation, maybe, you know, like there is in financial services and many other industries something could have happened. And I suspect two million quid would have made the total difference between, you know, Berry's survival or not. And you put that by the side of, you know, XYZ's wages in the Premier League and the imbalance is just uh, unacceptable. Which comes back to my point. Players' contribution. Would it be that hard? Would it be that hard for... Premier League players to donate 5% of their wages to the League 1 and League 2. I'm just picturing Kevin De Bruyne writing out his cheque as we speak. <laughs> well, let's talk about Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> Paul thank, Pogba thank... asking, what is Gillingham? <laughs> you know, it's gonna... but, thanks for your thoughts on that. I think it's important we, 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 we just touch on it. Uh, let, we're not going to start with VAR. I'm, convinc- I'm absolutely determined not to start with VAR this week. I think we've had three, three shows on the trot where we've done that. We might come on to it. But let's just talk about the Bournemouth game. I, I know, John, you, you spent uh, four and a half hours 
uh, uh, in your car, sort of just sitting on the outskirts of of Bournemouth for a long time, but you managed to get there just in time. Uh, Pep, at the end of the game, said, we have a few things to improve, I think is what he said. What what do you think he was referring to, and where where do you think we need to improve? Well, I I think that, actually, this season, I mean, we can't complain, can we? Two wins and a draw against one of the top teams in the league. Uh, You know, we can't really complain. I don't think we've ever... We haven't sparkled for much longer than 10 or 15 minutes in any of those games. I'm really going to stick my neck out here because uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Kevin De Bruyne was, was, was hailed as a, as a man of the match. I wasn't that impressed. And at Bournemouth, I was even less impressed because in the first half, Kevin, by his own impeccable standards, I stress, by his own impeccable standards, had a pretty lousy game. I, you know, I, don't, I didn't see him put a pass right. And the assist he got was a fluke. The assist he got was, a, was, a, yeah. was an attempt at goal, which, which he misfired. And fortunately, Aguero was there to knock it in the back of the net. So I thought Kevin had a lousy game, to be absolutely honest with you. Um, not to say he's a genius, not to say you shouldn't drop him or anything like that. Please don't misunderstand me. But I thought it was, a, you know, having said all that, I, d- I don't think the result was ever in any doubt. I think we were clinical, we were professional to the end and how, would Bournemouth ever have scored apart from a free kick I don't think so I think that was the only way they'd have hit the back of the net and it was a cracking goal they scored from that spot kick but it wasn't a, a stunning performance by any manner of means Dave your thoughts on the performance and, and what you thought Pep was referring to I think there's a little bit of a reckoning that's due it's not really been exposed yet but defensively I think we've started the season with some very clear flaws I mean, Walker could have been off within 25 Should've minutes. Should have been off. Should have been, been off. off. No question Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. And, you know, he had a very good start to the season. I was kind of interested to see that Pep didn't sub him off until very late on. I, you know, maybe may Pep's a braver man than me, but I would have probably taken him off after that second challenge and said, look, I'm sorry, you know, we risk going down to 10 here. You've not behaved like a senior professional here. You've been behaving like this is your debut and you're, you know, firing on adrenaline. And also, some of the worst defending I've seen in years from City, from Otto Mendy, when Matt yeah, Cross came to, in... tried to, very hard to give an assist, didn't he? Yeah. The guy oh, busted and, out with the bar. That was and crazy. you're wondering, who, who's he knocking that down to? I think yeah. there's just a little bit of a disconnect at the moment. I wonder a little bit if we are missing the leadership that company offered at mm. the back. I was surprised we didn't bring in maybe someone more senior in the defence to sort of give that leadership, because I get the sense that... Who are you referring to? Sorry. Um... With company's departure. Oh, as a new, um, a new yeah, signing. Yeah, bring someone in um, yep. in the summer who yep. offers a bit more leadership, maybe as a fourth centre-back to sure. give that leadership, because Laporte, Stones and Otamendi will strike me as quite quiet. I don't think there's necessarily as much communication as I'd like there, but I still feel in defence there's a little bit of um, a lack of cohesion and a few mistakes are being made as a result. Bigger teams are going to pick said all that, that, I have to say, I think... Some of Laporte's crosses and passes in that game were spectacular. Mm. And as soon as Rodri came on... Yeah, uh, yeah. he made a huge impact. He made, he I mean, yeah. Bournemouth hardly got a kick of the ball. I mean, he, he changed that. He, yeah. he solidified the defence tremendously. Yeah, I mean, he looks as though he's been playing there for oh, years, doesn't he? Yeah. He slots in so I, perfectly. I, I really, really think he's a wonderful player. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first um, uh, press conference that he did and he just came across the way he handled himself understated the classic modern day uh, city signing um given us the height that we didn't have before yeah. in the holding midfield role he just looks like he's been there for forever doesn't he and he's only what half a dozen games in and about 12 years old 
we talk about uh, Walker, uh, who could have been sent off. I think Edison similarly sort of came steaming out, took someone out waist high on the halfway line <laughs> yeah. near the touchline, and, and I thought he was also lucky to maybe just get away with the yellow card. I've I've seen red cards for. for... I would have thought uh, more times than not he would have been red carded, and actually Walker's been on on fire, has he not? This season, we know why, don't we? <laughs> Looking over his he's shoulder, he's got a little bit of competition, but maybe it's that plus the haircut. I don't know what it is, but he's um, really going guns blazing, and he's got to just control that because that's going to catch yeah. up with him at the end of the day. Is it five, five bookings, isn't it? That you're, mm-hmm. you know, he's got to calm it down. But I mean, the strategy of having, you know, Cancelo, who looks an outstanding player, a friend of mine's Ju- a Juventus fan, says he's absolutely world class mm. player. He's clearly, is clearly succession planning, but it, it's good, it's good for his performance level. It's good for planning, but you know, I can't, can't you, argue with that. You mentioned De Bruyne's assist. I was amused to see that it was his, they called it, it was his 50th Premier League assist. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then he's reached that tally in the fewest number of games. It was a miss kick. Well, exactly, it was <laughs> an assist. That was really, uh, John, 75% possession. Uh, many more fouls. We've talked about this before as well. City getting a bit of a reputation as roughing teams up. You know, it doesn't matter how we get yeah. the ball back. If we can't get it back fairly, we'll, we'll kind of... I, 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 stats, stats and damn lies, you know. I, I've, I've seen this before. Fernandinho started this debate, didn't he, really? Yeah. Because he's arguably the sort of ace at this sort of game. Um, I've seen stats that show that City aren't as bad as... Uh, Two or three other teams, at least, uh, and you know when we, if and when City foul an opposing uh, team member, they, they get pulled up for it. So you know we we'll mm. pay the price. Uh, I think it's effective. I don't think it's over the top, um, and it's a price I'm prepared to pay to watch the beautiful flowing football we we enjoy. Right. Yeah. So, so let's do it then. Uh, Jefferson Lerma stamped on David Silver's foot. Uh, wasn't seen by the referee. Went to VAR, uh, and VAR supported uh, supported the referee. I and mean, one of the questions we've had is, is: Is VAR being used properly, or is it actually there to defend poor refereeing decisions? Is a question that's been posed based, I guess, on. And that's a perfect example to ask that question. I'm going to give you a bit of a cop out answer here because I don't know. I don't know how VAR is supposed to be used because it's just not being made clear to fans yeah. how VAR is supposed to be used. Is it clear and obvious? When does that rule? When's that rule applied? Is everything being reviewed? Does the referee have a margin of discretion, like within cricket, you know, an umpire's call? I, I just don't yeah. know, you know. I mean, the distinction on this one, and I don't know either, <laughs> do as does any of us know, was that the referee didn't give it. VAR's then gone, hang on a minute. So you would think that the bar at that point should be fairly in the middle, rather, you know, and that... It, that Looked to me like a penalty when you actually look from a VAR sense of, in terms of pulling it back, and then was not given. So to VAR it, then not give it, is even more. Can I just add to waters. that as well, Spencer? And f- what's interesting is, it, I don't think in any game in the Premier League has one referee gone to his pitch Correct. side monitor yet. Correct. Now that's that's that in that situation wasn't that the perfect I situation? Think I'm right in saying that never ever have they overturned referee, referee's decision on a penalty. Right, that is that you're right, and I was right alongside that, and that to me was a stonewall penalty. I mean, he stamped on 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 David Silver's foot, no question about it. Now, Mariner may not have seen it; that's perfectly understandable. 
You are left with the suspicion that the three men in the smoke-filled room in, in, in Stokely Park outside Heathrow Airport, <laughs> uh, without any air or light. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, but was it... My son showed me something on Instagram with... Uh, it wasn't in England, but there was uh, the equivalent in Spain or Italy, and uh, somebody turned up with a, a pizza, takeaway pizza, which was with the back door open and this big box of pizza, <laughs> and they all turned around, all right, thanks very much, and they, they carried on looking. I must find out which country it was, but... You can well, imagine you, it's that sort of thing. Yeah, you're yeah. left with the suspicion that they don't want to embarrass the ref, you know, yeah. I, I'm afraid. And again, and I agree with you, David, you know, we have this... Uh, just tell the fans what's going on. It was yeah. two or three minutes before the game was even paused for that decision to be reflected upon. Uh, and then why do... Why, you know, there's a monitor by the side of the pitch, I think, at Bournemouth. Why, you know, having heard what the VAR guys in the smokeful room, Ellis room in Heathrow Airport... Uh, with the pizza boxes. With the, the pizza con- boxes, yeah. Uh, and probably a couple of counts. No, I'm, I'm, I'm Ooh, joking. No, no, I'm joking. Uh, why didn't the referee go and look and make the final decision? He's the man in charge. I mean, what we've got with VAR now is a, a mechanical system, of which, as you know, in principle I'm in favour of, but the application of which I'm, I have great reservations about, which ultimately is decided by human beings. It's just like having hmm. three refs or four refs. I mean, nothing's changed in that sense, has it? Nope. The, me- the mechanics have, have not influenced this hmm. one bit. But, you know, people can accept that, you know, the human error were... The thing that I really object to is the fact that in the ground, the viewing experience is materially changed. And I understand very much why they don't put it on the screen because... Why? Well, the argument will be it's insightful or so on and so forth. But, as in other sports, it's, it's part of the experience. And if VAR is meant to enhance fairness, it cannot be at the expense of the matchday experience. We need to so know. Mi- I agree with you, John. At minimum, it's got to be... We've got to see what the VAR people are seeing. What are they talking about? May we agree or disagree with them? We've got to see it, yeah, haven't absolutely. we? We've got to see uh, it. Can I get back to the game? And yes. uh, Just want to talk about Aguero as well, Dave, because, again, two more goals. Obviously, we've talked about his 400 career goals. <laughs> still knocking him in. Uh, obviously, Gabriel Jesus, I think, didn't train today, so clearly he's still still injured. Um, so we're going to be relying on him for a, for a, for a bit longer, I suspect. Just what, is, is there much more to say about him? I think that we're going to be having something very big to say about him soon because he's about to hit what I think is one of the most remarkable milestones. You think he's eight goals now off Thierry Henry, and that will make him the top foreign Premier League goal scorer. And you think how you know the reverence with which people talk about Thierry Henry. I think we have to talk about Aguero in the same mm. bracket. You know, the consummate finisher. You know, he, you know, two two good goals. He's, you know, people keep saying, you know, that he. People said that he wouldn't adapt to Guardiola's game. People are probably wondering a little bit now. He's the wrong side of thirty, etc. But he still bangs them in. He's still clinical. Mm. He's probably the best striker I've ever seen in the Premier League. And Sterling, the most improved striker, John. Oh, certainly. Uh, I mean, sharp as a razor. But uh, and Aguero, I, I, I thought, was on fire in front of yeah. the goal. I mean, the, the first goal he, he sort of nicked off Kevin De Bruyne's miskick. That was a special goal, that mm. first it goal. Was. When you watch it a few times, you realise how clever that was. And then the second yeah. one, he nicked yeah. off David Silva's dribble, really. Uh, yeah, he just followed him. Yeah. But many other players wouldn't even do that. And this is a guy who has never, ever been in the Football Writers Team of the Year. Is that right? I think last season was the first time, was it? Oh, but, he, but, he, okay. but he hadn't up until that point, you're right, which was a, a travesty. It was, unbelievable. It was incredible. I mean, Absolutely unbelievable. Ridiculous. Correct.
Um, can we just go back to some of the questions that we've had on Twitter as well? Yeah. We could have put it out there. We're obviously at City Podcast. If you've got any thoughts, um, follow us on Twitter. Uh, get involved, ask us any questions, and I'll always raise them. Um, one is uh, from an old mate of yours, actually, uh, Stephen Philipson, yeah. um, who says, other than the VAR, one change you'd make to the City setup. Uh, and he sends his best wishes to you as well, John. Thank you. Uh, so, similar, I suppose, to the first question I asked you, I guess, uh, in terms of what, what Pet was talking about. But your thoughts on any differences you'd want to see, and we're going to talk about uh, the Brighton game in, in a second. But in the team formation, you mean? Or... Uh, yeah, I guess so. But, but in this, actually, you talked about the setup, actually. So, whether that's the club setup or uh, the way we set up as a team. I can, you can, I, inter- I, you can I, interpret I, it how you like. Well, John. Stephen, I have to say, um, I. Who am I to challenge Pep or, or the club? I mean, given that we are so successful. I mean, let, you know, come on. You know, we've, we've just won the league twice. We could win it a third time. Uh, the team are warming up. Kevin De Bruyne was saying today it takes them uh, three or four weeks to, to get, get going, basically, once you're back in the, in the top flight. I, I probably I agree with that. I wouldn't make any major changes at all. I would love to see. I tell you what I would love to see. I w- would love to see the likes of Phil Foden getting more of a chance than he gets, uh, because and not just because he's English, and not just because he's a Mancunian. I would like to see him have more opportunities than he, than he has now, but I do acknowledge that, you know, if you're the manager of a football team with so much talent, it's devilishly difficult to, to, to do that. And, you know, restricting him to Carling Cup appearances, or Carabao Cup appearances, I should say, uh, is obviously frustrating for him. But I wouldn't change a lot, to be honest, Stephen. Well, I, was, I sent you the question, didn't I? It's a terribly hard one to answer from the stands, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it would, be, it would be fatuous of us to say anything, really. Uh, but the one thing for me, is, again, was the youth. Um, you'd like to think there are two, three, four youth players in the 18. I think we see, with Phil Foden, of course, one or two, you know, Angelino now. But that's about it. And there have been a few players that have come, come and gone, haven't they? Um, uh, and good players, not least. Um, the guy who went to Real Madrid, whose name escapes me, yes. Brahim Diaz, yeah. who I thought was a fabulous player. So, but it, it's a terribly hard critique because, you know, uh, it's, it's not a criticism. We, we'd like a bit more youth, if anything. Dave? I think we could do with some work on defensive set pieces. <laughs> I think, um, you know, again, it's not something that Guardiola prioritised, I think, in training because he's got so Very many better point. things to think about. But... Yeah. I still think that goal last week, Spurs, I know you've already covered it, but Lucas Moore ahead was criminal. You should not be letting tiny guys just come on end up winning a header like that. You know? First touch. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, first rule, you know, if, if you know, Sunday league, if someone brings on a sub when you've got a set piece, you know that you've got to mark him. That's, you know, that's the guy you're going to be immediately looking to at any level and how that's happening at the top level worries me. Off the pitch, I still think they need to do something about some of the atmosphere in the Etihad. I think it seems to be... You know, partic- yeah, particularly last better. season, it, it was—it's getting a little better, and I think you know some of the games last season, like the Liverpool one, stands out. The atmosphere was tremendous, but for a lot of games, it still feels like everyone's turned up for a picnic. It's unbelievable. Some weeks, I, and I, I wondered—you know—what's what's wrong here? Are we just now so used to success that unless we score five goals, we're not cheering? I mean, it's bizarre, but it has got better. I think we're drunk on victory. It sometimes feels. But. Uh, let's let's talk about the Etihad then. Let's talk about the weekend. Uh, Brighton, of course, uh, we played them last game of last season, of course, down by the seaside to win back to back Premier League titles. So they visit the Etihad. Uh, one of our questions uh, on on Twitter, Dave, is uh, should Cancelo start? 
he obviously came on as a late sub, as we already covered. Is that kind of a way of Pep sort of giving him a... They're going to rotate, aren't they, I, I suspect. So is this the opportunity? I think it's the right game to give him a start. I think it's one where we should be on the front foot. Um, from what I've heard, Cancelo is more of an attacking full-back, perhaps, um, than a defensive one. This is probably a game which could blood him quite well in that, you know, be, be under hopefully a little bit less pressure. Um, I think it's you know, good to start him off at home as well. I think it's very possible. And Walker probably also needs to have a little think about what he did in the previous game. And this just might be a good sort of reminder for him as well. So, thought, thoughts about the game? Um, you'd like to think uh, we've had kind of a couple of difficult games out of the way now and we've got a reasonable, reasonable run in. Uh, and with Brighton coming, they've actually had, not had a bad start, actually. I think they were lying mm. fourth uh, before the weekend's game. Yeah, good game, start. So. I mean, Glenn Murray can, can uh, score the goals, can't he? And actually, I do agree that our, we have some porosity in our defence, which it didn't, we didn't have last season. And they're capable of scoring. We're capable of scoring five, clearly. Uh, we're expecting a win. Uh, and a strong win, uh, but um, uh, looking forward to the game. I think yeah. you know, routine win. I it shouldn't present any problems, should it? Really? I mean, no. Glenn Murray is thirty-five years old, but I, I know his last night he, he, he nicked a, a goal for them at, at the end uh, last night as well. He's a good, good player. Um, shouldn't present a great problem. Um, I would predict a three-nil win. David. 3-1. I think we've got a a, a goal concession in us at the moment. And Glenn Morey from set pieces scares me. Well, just because I've got to do something different for one. <laughs> Can I talk about some other things then, just before we yes. go? Um, Sean Wright Phillips ah. announced his retirement from football this week. Wow. Uh, which, Aged? Uh, 36, Six, 37, 38. One, one of oh, those, wow. I can't okay. quite remember. But, but they're sort of late, getting on a bit late 30s and went off to America like his brother Bradley, I think. And I was uh, watching his brother Bradley last night. I, I saw the replay still, still New York playing? City versus New York Red Bulls. And he was, still, oh, he was wow. on the pit. He was taken off, actually, towards the end. But yeah, he was still there. Uh, and he's done very well out there, uh, has Bradley. Sean Wright Phillips, fantastic player for City, wasn't he? I mean, two runs at City. And... Uh, uh, always, always the guy who could change a game. I thought. Uh, yeah, yeah. Heart and Soul City as well. Yeah, absolutely. He, he went to Chelsea, I think, didn't yeah. he? And came back. Came back. Yeah. Yeah. Bad so, move going to Chelsea. Certainly, in his first spell, he seemed to be the one bright spark in a team that certainly could be very pedestrian. And he was certainly one of my very favourite players growing up. And I remember him going to Chelsea when I was on a school trip to Normandy and having to take myself aside for a moment of reflection after that news was broken to me. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it definitely felt it was a bad one when he left. And until very recently, I think he was our record sale. That's tw- 21 million. Mm-hmm. And what's nice is also, you'll remember Jamie Cooper, the artist who did the Manchester City Dream scene. Yeah. Uh, and he's made that picture. And, and actually, what, what's more interesting for me, and I, as you might know, I interviewed Jamie, uh, and we talked about Sean Wright Phillips, and where he's put him is by the entrance of the dressing room. Being, and the idea is him coming back to City. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's always that, the stories <laughs> around nice. that. You, you know, unless I'd spoken to him, I probably would never have known that. But yeah. the, he literally's got his arms out as if kind of I'm back, and that was all about him. Wasn't it back the case his... that we only signed him? Because we wanted his brother. Yes, and uh, it was all part of the deal that we uh, took. Really? Took the older one as well. No, there, and there was someone else came with him to keep him company. It wasn't his brother initially? Another player came with him. Eventually, went to Preston. 
The other interesting fact, of course, his son is in the under 18s, of course, as well. So, really? so yeah, DiMaggio is part of our uh, under 18 setup. So, uh, Ian Wright's grandson, of course, which a is name of great sporting prestige. Absolutely. So, uh, so uh, a bit of a city yeah. dynasty there being uh, uh, being built. The, the other thing I just want to talk about quickly as well um, is Vincent Company, uh, not necessarily his results and elect. I think we can probably leave that to one side. And the sum rumours say he might even be sacked, which is. Uh, I thought we'd gone back to, to player and the, uh, player oh, manager. Play, yeah, play, but no, no, but I thought that he. The, the Has manager, that the manager, well, my son was telling me about he's it. He's been relieved of ah, yes. the match day duty, so his Another way of assistant saying the same manager thing. is going to be during the match, and he's then manager when they're yeah. off the pitch. Right. So he's captain on the pitch. <laughs> Sounds like a clever form yeah. of words. <laughs> <laughs> so not going great, then, I think, is what that says. I mean, uh, I, I think there's been some issues. It's such a shame, because to, if it was all to end in tears. The, the reason I'm raising it, of course, is that the uh, testimonial that's coming up in a few weeks, yeah. you've seen the two sides that have been announced. I mean, that is going to be some, some night at the Etihad, I think, isn't it? Some, uh, Although but, he may not play. Well, he's, he's picked up an injury as well, I think, hasn't yeah. he, as well? So he may the not play himself. The most fitting tribute imaginable. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> to hobble, hobble <laughs> on to with crutches. <laughs> and let's not forget, all the money's in a great cause. Of Going course, to help the homeless in Manchester, which he's been uh, done yeah. some amazing yeah. work, of course, and that's yeah. the, his whole uh, his the way he's behaved both yeah. on and off the field at City. That's why he's such a legend. Um, two final bits before we go, and that is we've got Champions League draw uh, on Thursday this week, and we're recording this on Wednesday. So tonight, of course, is the Carabao Cup. We could win this three years on the trot. Mm. Um, we're ball number four, by the way, for those who are excited about these things. <laughs> um, so. Any thoughts ahead of those those two competitions? Uh, Carabao Cup, well, it's become part of our staple, hasn't it? Uh, we would like to go far in that competition, and, and yes, we'd like to win it again. But the big one, the big one, the big one is the Champions League. We've got to make a big showing, a big, big showing this year, and I'm waiting for five o'clock tomorrow for the draw. Uh, in Monaco... Uh, uh, again, we're, we're all asked this all of the time, so I may as well ask it again, and I'll, it won't be the last time I'll ask it. If we don't win the Champions League this season, is that a failure? Or is it the Premier League? Well, I actually, it's a big bar, isn't it, to say it's a failure when you can't win, is it seven games on the, on the trot or nine to win? The, you know, too many things that have, as have happened in the last few years. The, 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 you know, the, the margin between success and failure. Fine margins. Very, very fine. But it's the big one. Uh, how long do we have Mr Pep Guardiola at our club? Please God, many, many years. But I suspect another two, three maximum, if we're lucky, we need to win this. So let's hope this year is going to be a big year for us. Well dodged. <laughs> Dave? I, um... I've got to realise you've got to, it's, it's well past your bedtime, so we need to <laughs> hurry, hurry <laughs> this up there. a bit to, get, to get, get you out of here before it's too late. <laughs> well, I, I still worry we're not a, two leg, a team that plays well over two legs, and that's the, probably the one big question mark that hangs over City. You know, how do we compete when it comes to a two-legged tie home and away in the Champions League? And I think that's, that's the concern. Hopefully that's something we're working on. But as I said last time I was on, I'd, I'd always rather we win the league over the Champions League. That's yeah. the real test. Still the league for you, John? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm an old Neanderthal too because I, I, I regard the league, winning the league as far more important than winning the Champions League. Although not more important, but much more of an achievement, put it that way. It's, it's, winning the Champions League is more important in the sense it might help us keep Pep, which is crucial in my view, for as long as we possibly can. And yes, I, I see it's the most prestigious uh, thing to win. But for me... The Premier League is, is the most difficult thing to win and, in that sense, the more rewarding. So I wouldn't be that miffed if we didn't win the Champions League again. But, and, but it, if it means keeping Pep, I'd like, I'd like to think we could do it. 
And if we don't do it, doesn't that put more pressure on him and the club and all the investment and this is everything's being geared up for a, a Champions League win? Probably right, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, come on, we've had, we've had a great run, you know, and, and hopefully it will continue. There is, the, there is now a great basis there for a club to survive and do well for quite a long time. I, I would hate to say it with or without Pep, but I mean, we've now got a great squad of players there. Some great kids coming through. I think the prospects, no matter what Pep's future is, I think the prospects for Manchester City are very bright indeed. On that note, huge thanks to my three guests, to John Stapleton, to Spencer Debson and to Dave Hodgson. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.